All right. So we want to say good morning to everyone, those that are um, watching this um, via Facebook Live or um, those who may be listening to this by podcast. We want to welcome you to uh, our weekly service, Word of Life Community Church, Greater Birmingham, uh, where we're changing the world by serving others. Our goal is to open up the eyes of the blind and teach the truth of God's word so it's applicable for daily living, whereby the hearers will come up to God's standard of living for themselves and their families. This is our vision and our mission. So we want to say <clears throat> welcome and good morning. Um, I have a different set. Most of the times uh, when you're seeing me, I normally have our banner stands up and all that good stuff. Um, I am uh, remote today because I am going to... Um, over to Word of Life Community Church over in the Chickasaw area, Chickasaw, Alabama, uh, for their drive-in service. They have a pastor's anniversary, so it's my pastor's anniversary. And so I am excited to be back home. And um, I thought that it would be great to um, do a one-two punch today. So if you get a chance, if you want to watch us, if you want to get part two of this, um, we'll be over at uh, Word of Life Community Church at 11 uh, 11 a.m. today. So um, before we start, I want to do this before I pray and get into the message. Um, COVID has really hit a lot of people and we see the rise <clears throat> in the numbers. And so I want to caution you this week as you get ready to go into Thanksgiving. Be, please be careful. Be mindful of social distance. Be mindful of wearing your mask. You know, the hand washing, the sanitizing of the hand, sanitizing of the areas that you're in. Please be overzealous, be overcautious. I would much rather you be overcautious. I know as believers, we're in faith, but we also want to add some works with our faith. Um, so we want to do that. We also um, want to uh, keep uh, Carolyn Wittenberg and her fiance Wayne in our prayers. Uh, they're they're battling it as we speak in ICL, uh, ICU. And so we're going to continue to pray and believe God that all shall be well. So I, I ask that you'll stand in agreement with us and, and with them. Also, I want to pray for um, my uh, grandmother, Beulah Arnold. Uh, she's in ICU, so uh, she's 90 plus strong. And so uh, she's still kicking. So uh, we ask that you continue to, to pray for her. The one thing about my grandmother now, she hates to miss me. Now, she's going to watch her pastor, but she's going to watch her grandson too. And so... Um, we're going to make sure that uh, she has a speed recovery so she can get back to watching her favorite grandson. How <laughs> about that? Um, <clears throat> that's a shameless plug. So let's get right into the word. Father, we thank you now for another opportunity to get in your word. God, we pray now that something will be said that will be a blessing to these, your people. God, everyone under the sound of my voice, I pray now that you'll give them a word in due season. God, I pray that you will encourage them. And God, that you will give them the strength to run the race that you have presented before them. Now, Father, we praise you now because I won't take any credit for it. I won't take any glory, but we'll give it to the one who deserves all of the credit, all of the glory. And it's you. Jesus to Christ, and it's in your name that we pray, and everyone in agreement will give me a virtual amen. So remember I said that I was going to be um, preaching later on today, and so I figured that I would um, extract part of um, one of the texts I was going to use today and roll right into uh, later on this afternoon or later on this morning. And so uh, in preparing for this, um, I, I I um, really started looking at Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22. So if you want to, you can go ahead and turn over to Matthew 22, chapter 22, starting at verse one. Now, as I was preparing for this, um, I came across an article that appeared in the Portable Church Industries website entitled Seven Statistics Every Church Planner Needs to Know. And this was written on uh, May 16, 2016. And for those who may not understand some of the church terms, when we say church planner, that is a person or, or persons that go out and they start new ministries. They call it a church plant. So they may be in one church or they may be in an organization and they may go from place to place to place or city to city to city starting new churches. And, uh, and so there were some interesting things here, these statistics that I thought that would be very uh, relevant 
and would be able to tie into what we're talking about today. Uh, but but here's the, the seven critical issues that they listed. Watch this. Number one, um, less than 18% of Americans attend church. Can you believe that? Less than 18 Americans attend church. Number two, there are 156 million unchurched in the U.S. There are 156 million unchurched in the U.S. In other words, they don't go to church. They had never really had an experience with church. They, they're just, you know, they just been existing, going through life, never really having a real experience with church. Number three, 47% of uh, America's unchurched, watch this, is open to being invited to church by a friend. 47% of America's unchurched is open of being invited to church by a friend. So that means that 47% of the people, almost half of the people, um, are, are receptive to that. And so a lot of times we don't ask people to come to our church or to visit because we say, well, they're not going to they're not going to want to go or they're going to be offended or whatever the case may be. But according to statistics, 47 percent, almost 50 percent. Number four, churches that plant grow three times faster. In other words, instead of it um, just being a, um, a spinoff or, or what they call a split where we, we've gotten mad with this group of people and so we decide to move to a, uh, another location, start our own church. That's not really considered a plant. Um, that's just a church split. But plants where, where people start brand like us, that start brand new ministries, um, they tend to grow three times faster. Number five, a new church gains 60 to 80% of its membership from conversion. A new church gains 60 to 80% of its membership from conversion. So you said, Pastor, why are you emphasizing that so much? Because a lot of times what we want to try to do is, especially when you start a new ministry, we want to um, see if we can just get people from other churches and let them come over. And that's not necessarily the case. That shouldn't be um, where it is. It, it should be a situation where um, we have um, people that we go out to get saved because we should be going out to the highways and the byways. We should be going there to really compel people to come into the kingdom. And so not trying to go to other churches and find these other people um, to, to come over to our church because then they're just leaving one place and going to another. So they're still leaving the deficiency somewhere else. So new churches gain 60 to 80% of membership from conversion. And we I just told you a couple of statistics up that you know there's 156 unchurched out there. So there are a lot of people. And just know that um, just because I work in an office or just because I have a career or something of that manner doesn't necessarily mean that, um, that I'm not unchurched. So we have to make sure that we don't stereotype people or what church people look like. Uh, number six, churches with 10,000 10, or more members are going to multi-sites. Churches with 10,000 or more members are going to multi-sites. And what do you mean by that, Pastor? Multi-sites are where now I have a location one, I have a location two, I have a location three. Sometimes people tend to disagree with that because they feel like they dilute the church. But why people are going to that, that model is because if I live on one side of town and it takes me an hour to get to church, but I love church, I love my pastor, I love the activities, well... Um, churches have tried to become more convenient. And so what they do is they said, okay, since you live an hour away, we're going to open up a site on your side of town so that you can still experience um, what you're experiencing in your church home, but you don't have to drive two hours um, in terms of there and back to, um, to experience that. And then finally, um, the last statistic says buildings comp uh, comprise um, the second largest area of expenses for church. It comprises the second largest area of expenses for church. So the reason why a lot of churches fail perhaps is because they have these buildings. And of course you have to have mortgage. You have to, um, use the, um, um, the, the utilities and everything else. You have to keep that going. You have the maintenance costs. And so those were seven critical areas that this article said or those statistics that every church planner, uh, especially pastors, should know, should, should need to know. But guess what? It's not just for the pastor and not just for the planner, but it's for everyone, especially if you're in a young church. 
uh, or you're considering um, going to a new church. Um, so I want to pick up right there. And you said, uh, you want to figure out how I'm going to tie this together. I promise you it's going to make sense. Let's go over to Matthew uh, chapter 22 and um, at verse number one, 22 and at verse number one. And I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll read the whole thing and then I can come back and unpack it uh, just for the sake of time. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out another servant, uh, out other servants saying, tell those who are invited. So I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went all their ways, one of his farm, another um, to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treating them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he set out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Remember that verse right there. I'm going to read that one more time. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find and invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and garnered and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, bind hand and foot, take him away, cast him into the outer darkness. There will, um, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. So when I was trying to select a, a um, title for this, this message, you know, one title which would have been really good is, who are you inviting to the wedding? I, 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 that, I think that, that, that would really preach. But so I, I do want you to kind of think about that as, as I go through this text. But just for a little while, I don't want to talk about I am taking the interstate. I am taking the interstate. I don't know if you've ever used your GPS system. But when you're using your GPS system and you're going to a particular area, um, they will ask you, um, do you want to avoid highways? Uh, in other words, in colloquial terms, do you want to go the streetway or do you want to hit the interstate? Do you want to hit the highway? And, 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 and so here it is. We see in verse number nine where he says, now he commands his servants to go out to the highways and, and, and find some people to get them. Now, remember, I was just giving you all these statistics about how many, like only 18% of the of um, Americans attend church, how there's 156 million um, unchurched folks in the country, how 60 to 80% of, um, of all um, church plants, they are really from new conversions. And so that's the whole idea. So are, are we really, are we really, when we think about it, are we really soul winners? Uh, in order to be soul winners, it doesn't necessarily mean you got to go out and preach to people. You can share your testimony or you can invite them to church or you can give them a book about salvation or or about Christianity. You can do so many other things in terms of witnessing. Uh, so it's not a situation where you have to be the preacher where you take out a text like pastor does and, and go through that. And, and so we, we I want to kind of just unpack this for a minute because, you know, Jesus likes to speak in parables, right? And so he goes through here and he, you know, he has a conversation with them. Now he's already given them a couple of parables. The last parable right before this one, he talks about the wicked vine dresser. And then he rolls right into this parable of the wedding feast. And so we see here um, in, in, in verse number two, in the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who... Um, arranged a marriage for a son. But in Jesus answered, well, let me go to verse one. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables and said, so, so here's our uh, revelation one, 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to get right to it. Here's truth number one. Jesus always provides revelation. Jesus always provides revelation. So uh, we have to understand and know that regardless of what we're doing uh, in the kingdom or what we're doing in our personal lives, Jesus will always provide revelation. So a lot of times we're trying to figure out how to do things, but simply if we would just pray, if we would just simply seek God, seek his wisdom, seek Jesus, what will wind up happening is he would give us revelation. Uh, unfortunately, we think revelation is just simply dealing with biblical truths. Revelation is revelation. It reveals. It talks about. So that person that you're trying to go into business with, guess what? Or that person that you're trying to work for, revelation will reveal the true source, reveal their true spirit. Or that person that you're in a relationship with, uh, it's going to reveal uh, who they really are. Um, um, issues that's going on with your body. Guess what? Revelation will reveal that. Yeah, he may tell the doctor, but then also uh, he can reveal some things to you. So, so Jesus always provides revelation. And so he does this throughout the New Testament. You see this through what? Parables. So that's why you hear preachers or you hear public speakers. A lot of times they use story. They use storytelling. Why? Because people can get a real revelation um, from the, you know, this type of methodology. So here is truth number one. Jesus always pro provides revelation. Watch this. And so verse two, in the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranges a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were willing to come. So, so here's revelation truth number two. God is sending his servants to win souls. God is sending his servants to win souls. That's, that's what it's all about. It's, it's, you know, when we come to church, it's about self-improvement for us. It's about making sure that at the end of the day, we're able to go on to heaven and live eternal life forever. But, but part of our job as believers is to help win souls. Um, you know, when you look at this, this whole text, um, this is what you call an exotological, exotological text where, um, in terms of theology, it relates to like death and judgment. That's what this text talks about. It, this is a great text to get people to understand why it's important to get their lives right, um, before it's time for them to leave here. But, but, but God is sending his servants to win souls. He wants us to go out and be soul winners. Um, the Bible even talks about how you should work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. So you got to work yours out and then you should go out. If you've ever traveled on a, uh, on an airplane, one of the first things that they tell you is if you're traveling with a child, that for some reason there's cab impression that that's, that is lost and the um, the mask dropped down. They always instruct you, put yours on first, then put on the child. Why? The natural instinct is to do what? Is to put on the child's first and then put yours on. But you can't help somebody else. Oh, man, that's good. You can't help somebody else if you hadn't helped yourself first. All right? So 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 once you get yourself in a point where you're trying to uh, be soul winners. Once you get yourself together, then you go out and you share the goodness of Christ with everyone else. So, so that's truth number two. God is sending his servants to win souls. And so guess what? His servants is more than just the preachers and the deacons. <laughs> his servants are you and I, all of us. All of us have a responsibility to do that. Let's go a little bit deeper. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted uh, cattle are killed. All the things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one of his own farm, another to his business. Isn't it amazing how we tend to a lot of times make a light of what, um, what is a serious matter? How many times have we, um, God has showed us some things or someone says something or you've been watching television or you might have been watching this broadcast or whatever the case may be and, and you heard something that you know it resonated with your current situation 
but you just made light of it. You just oh, okay, yeah, that's just by accident. No, everything that is said, everything that is done is not by accident. God is trying to specifically speak to you. And so we have to make sure and understand that we can't just make a light of things. Watch this though. But in five, he made light of it, went to their ways, uh, one of his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, killed them spitefully, and killed them. So, so here's um, Revelation truth number three. I'm almost there. Our day-to-day -day lives cannot interfere with our relationship with God. Our day-to-day -day lives cannot interfere with our relationship with God. Sometimes we get so busy with doing all the things and they may be great things. They may be good things, but we cannot, we cannot let our day-to-day -day lives interfere with our relationship with God. We should be praying. We should be reading the word or we should be reading things that edify our spirit that lifts us up. And so we cannot get to the point where all we do is we go, go, go. We do, do, do. And then we never give God any time. Uh, God wants his time like everyone else. The Bible talks about him being a jealous God, but he wants his time. He wants his due. As a matter of fact, he wants it before everybody else. He wants it. So, so we have to get to a point where we recognize God when we get up and we recognize him when we go to bed. I'm going to say that again. We should recognize him when we get up and we should recognize him before we go to bed. Why? Because he's the one that breathed the precious breath of life into us every day. And then he's the one that's going to keep us every night. And he's the one that has kept us all during the day. So it's critical for us to understand and know that without God, we are nothing. And so we have to acknowledge him. And we can't get to a point where we let our days just, you know, just really just kind of uh, be more of a priority than God. Um, and you see this here in the text where uh, over in verse five, they, you know, they just made light of it. And then they went what, to their own farm. Or another to his own business. You know, they're doing their own thing. They're they working. They got they got things to do. They, they don't have time for this. And, and so we have to get to a point now that because you got to remember, God is the one that gave you the job. God is the one that gave you the house. God is the one that gave you the spouse. God is the one that gave you the children. So if we get to the point that the things that he has given us is now consuming more of our time and more of our energy and effort than him, then we become fair game. We become fair game. And so we have to understand and know that, watch this. Oh man, that is good, Holy Ghost. So the devil knows that he can't kill God, right? But he can, he can, you know, kill people. He can kill businesses. He can kill jobs. He can kill houses. He can do all of that stuff. He, he can really have an effect or impact on that, but he can't on God. And so uh, what happens is we become so attached to things. We become so attached to status. We become so attached to relationships that what winds up happening is instead of us being more attached to God and everything else is just gravy, uh, we get more attached to those things. So it's easier for the enemy to come in and up, upset the apple cart because we're more connected to things and relationships than we are with God. Ooh, man, I, I could stay right there all day, but I, I can't. I got to keep moving. But so we see that. Now watch this. In verse 6, says, and, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. You know, it's, it's amazing how, now some of it is justifiable, now don't get me wrong, but it's amazing how a lot of times people that are ministers, people that are deacons, people that profess to be um, Christian folks, they tend to sometimes get a bad knock. They tend to, because just because I have standards, just because I have morals, just because I believe in the word and, and I stand on it, and I don't shy away. Some of you may have some coworkers and you may have some friends that when they're with you, they're great. I mean, this praise the Lord, how you doing? And then when there's some other folks that may perhaps not really, um, be so into the church or, or, or as spiritual, then they tend to cold switch on you. They, they seem like they're like, like, you know, I can't even really talk about the word anymore. I can't really even acknowledge God anymore because they want to just, just fit in. 
Um, why? Because they don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to be seen, you know, uh, thought as as this um, um, church person or the church lady or the church man. And so we want to we want to stay cool. We want to stay hip. But but but, you know, that's really all an excuse. I'm going to tell you the real reason why a lot of times people cold switch on you and they don't really want a whole lot of people to know where they are spiritually. You know why? Because they do not want to be held accountable. <laughs> yes, amen. Because the Bible talks about us, you hear me say this all the time, about us being walking epistles being read by all men. So what winds up happening is, um, we don't, the reason why we don't put it out there that we're real believers, that we're strong believers, that we, you know, that we get in the word and everything else, because we don't, once we pronounce that, once we put that out there, then people hold us accountable for it, whether they doing it or not. It's amazing. I say it all the time that people want preachers, deacons, and real saved folks. They want you to live like they don't want to live. I'm going to say that again. They want you to live like they don't want to live. In other words, they don't want to live according to the Bible. But because you said that you will, they want you to live that way. So I don't need you to try to hold me accountable. I don't need you to hold me accountable because God's going to hold me accountable. The word's going to hold me accountable. So if you are a believer and, and, and you've been a little shy about letting people know where you stand in the kingdom and where you stand with God, don't be afraid. God is going to cover you. Don't be afraid of what other folks think because God is only your judge. Only this word can judge you. And so you go out to the highways and byways and be a witness for God. See, see, I told you I was going to weave that thing in. I was going to bring it all the way back together because we have to get to a point that if only 18% of Americans are attending church, that necessarily mean, remember, I've done some t statistics before where there's about 70 to 80% of the people in the country who classify themselves as being Christians, almost 70%. But here it is, only 18% are going to church. So there's a real disconnect. We're talking about 50% of a 50% um, gap here as to why they are not connected to a local assembly. But 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 we see here in, in verse number seven, watch this, it says, but when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burn up their city. Mm. So he, here's uh, truth number four. God will not tolerate abusing his servants. God will not tolerate abusing his servants. You see this in verse number six, where they seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. Uh, and then you see what happens. They feel the wrath of God right there in verse number seven. Uh, and so God really, he's not going to tolerate that. That's why you okay. You cover, you cover by your blood. You think about it. If somebody's messing with you at work, don't worry about it. Guess what? You cover by the blood. God is going, God's not going to tolerate anybody. You know how the Bible talks about touch my, not my anointed, do my, um, prophet no harm. Why? Because guess what? You are anointed. And so guess what? If, if, if someone tries to put their hand on you or try to put their mouth on you, it does not matter. It does not. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean put your mouth on it? Well, when they speak ill of you, or when they speak bad about you. Um, so we, we don't have to worry about that. You don't have to walk, walk in fear. Why? Because you know that God has you covered. And we see this right here in this text. He uses parable uh, of the wedding feast and he, he, he likens God to the king. And he's saying, he's saying, look, when they mistreated his servant, then I dealt with them and I dealt with them severely. And so we have to understand and know that God will not tolerate abusing his servants. So here's a hint, hint. Um, if you like, if you're the kind that's kind of messy, for lack of a better term, and you like to talk about people, and you, you like to talk about your boss, and talk about your mama, and talk about your, your cousin, your auntie, your sister, and everyone else, keep your mouth off people. Because we don't really know what kind of relationship they really have with God. And so I would prefer not to say, you know how your, your, your people say all the time, they used to tell you, if you don't have nothing nice to say, what? Don't say nothing at all. Just keep your mouth closed. Keep your mouth off of people. That's, that's the best thing that you can do. And, and so, because God is not going to tolerate you abusing 
the service. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll talk about it later on, but 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 people, and I got this from my pastor, but he used to say all the time, it's amazing how people will be in your face at service and they'll be loving on you. Ooh, you my pastor. And oh, I just love my pastor. And then when they go home, they have roast pastor for dinner and they talk about it. But yet, do you want them to marry your children? You want them to bury your folks? Um, you want them to pray for your, your, your uncles in the hospital? And so, and it's the same way, not just with preachers, it's the same way, even in your workplace. The very people that talk about you are the ones that still need your help. Oh, yeah, I went down somebody alley right there. Yeah, the very person that needs your help are the same ones that's talking about you. As soon as, you, as soon as they get what they need from you, then they go on to something else. Don't worry about that, because why? Because God will deal with them. But as a matter of fact, watch this. Before God can get to him, guess what? The devil will get to him because he's just simply using them as a distraction for you. I don't know why I went all the way over there, but it must have been for someone. But 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 God will not tolerate the 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 abusing of that's right, brother Jack, the abusing of his servants. Watch this. Let's go a little bit deeper. Then he said to his servants, "The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy." Mm. Here's key number five. I'm almost there. Just because you're religious doesn't mean God will receive you. Just because you're religious doesn't mean God will receive you. I know a lot of religious folks that ain't living worth nothing. And so please, whatever you do, do not get to a point where you think that I can, you know, I can be real religious and I can, oh, hallelujah, and all this other stuff, and I've got to go to church today, and i got to go to church tomorrow. Do you know that you can go to church 365 days a year and bust hell wide open? Yeah, yes, you can. And so um, being religious doesn't necessarily mean um, that God's going to receive you. And so we have to just be real with ourselves. I could never, I'd never forget I was working at a place, and for a long time, um, they knew I was saved. They knew that, you know, I was a believer and everything else. But one day, some kind of way it came up and see, here's something good for, for a lot of you that are watching. Everybody doesn't need to know everything about your, uh, your personal life. I'm going to say that again. Everyone doesn't need to know everything about your personal life. But this lady was like, she, she, she knew I was a church person. She knew I was saved. But she said to me, she said, I had no idea that you were a pastor. And I said, why you say that? What, what do you mean? I mean? You know, I'm getting worried now. And she said, no, she says, not because you did anything disruptive. She said, I, I knew you was a church person. I just figured that maybe you were a deacon or maybe you, um, you know, was just really involved in the church. I, I didn't, I mean, I knew that, but, but I just didn't think you were a pastor. I said, well, why didn't? She said, because you didn't talk like a pastor. You, you know, you know, uh, I said, well, how do pastors talk? And she said, you know, they just kind of have this oracle. I said, oh, you wanted me to talk like this all the time? No, I'm not gonna do that. Oh, you well, I ain't gonna even say that because I want nobody to get offended. But 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 no, I I don't I don't dress like the traditional um the uh the traditional pastor. I may not speak um just every day like the um like a, a traditional pa uh, pastor. I may not even teach or preach like a, a traditional pastor, but you've heard me say this before, I can only be me. And so so uh but but being religious doesn't doesn't mean that God's gonna receive me. So so just because I wear a tie and baseball cap everywhere I go, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make me holy and sanctified. That's not going to, uh, just because everybody calls me reverend or reb or, or doctor or bishop or whatever, that still does not mean that God is going to receive me. The way that God is going to receive me is just like they say in the Bible. When I get up there to the gates, I want to be able to say, job well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to make sure that when he looks when, when he looks at the three books that I'm going to be judged by, by this Bible, like everybody else, the Lamb's Book of Life, that I've confessed Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and the Book of Deeds, what I've done good and what I've done bad. When he look at those things, that's why he's going to judge me. And so that's why, and that's how he's going to receive me. That's why I'm trying to spend overtime. I'm running uphill trying to catch up with uh, all the things that I need to do. Now, you can't work yourself into heaven. Now, let me say that now. You can't work yourself into heaven, but it has to be a balance. There has to be a balance. There's the grace of God, but then it's also the work that you do in connection with God's will. And so 
Um, we can't just sit around and be religious and think that God is just going to automatically um, receive us. That just didn't work that way. And so uh, he, he talks about this in the text where all these other folks, he's been inviting them from verse number two all the way down to verse number seven. He's been inviting all these folks and and their high society and 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 they should be at the at, at the wedding. But guess what? He says, man, look, you're not even worthy. So sometimes some folks can look away, look a certain way and not be good. Um, have you ever gone to a car lot? And you look at a car and it's like, man, it is gorgeous. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, glossy. And then, man, you you crank that thing up, you buy it and drive it off the lot. And you telling folks you got to steal. Yeah, you got to steal. You got stolen on. Because as soon as you drive off the lot, um, it's ka-dum-ka-dum-ka-dum. I mean, you can't do nothing with it. And then you go to Larry, the used car sales dealer, and he tell you, oh, no, nah, man, this is non-refundable here. Sorry, cuz, you good. You, <laughs> is there nothing I can do? Well, it's the same way with believers. Some of us look real glossy on the outside, and, man, we terrible. We tore up. Yeah, I said tore up. Excuse the vernacular. But we're torn up on the inside. And so we have to make sure that we don't, man, I'm stuck on this, this uh, looking religious thing, but, 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 but it's a reason why I'm unpacking this. I don't want us to get to a point. The reason why a lot of people are not coming to church is because we got a bunch of religious people in the kingdom. And guess what? We running people off. So I'm not asking you to compromise to the world, but what I'm asking you to do is be real, be real so that folks can now um, really come and, um, and understand and know that God is real and that we're all a work in progress. I ain't going to get stuck there. I got to keep moving. Watch this. So then watch where I get to the, the, the theme or the, the inspiration for my title of the message. Therefore, go into the highways as many as you find and invite to the wedding. So the servants went out to the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. So it gets to a point here where God says, you know what? I don't need these people then. The ones who, you know, and, and when you look at this text, and, and if if you really study it, if you go to um, the different commentaries and that kind of stuff, they talk about really, the, the text is talking about Jews and Gentiles at, at this point. He's talking to them about the Jews were the chosen people at the time. And he had gotten to the point now where he says, you know what? I'm going to start going and getting some Gentiles and let them become a part of the kingdom. So watch this. I want, I want to go ahead and throw this one in. Here's truth number six. God will find believers in untraditional places. God will find believers in untraditional places. So guess what? God can find someone that will um, serve him, that will uh, be a blessing to him, that will that will um, speak to his goodness, that will testify, that will do all kinds of things in some, some of the most untraditional places. And so I, I think about it all the time. There's no way in the world probably I should have been a pastor. But why? But because he chose to use me and I, and I allowed him to use me to be a vessel. Uh, so I just did away with all the apprehension of what people would think and what they would say. And could I be perfect and everything else? It wasn't a matter about me. It was really about the word. It was really about God. And so God is to the point where he didn't mind finding believers in untraditional places. Think about when you when you study the life of Jesus. Man, he went somewhere everywhere. When you look at uh, his disciples, they were different types of people. It wasn't like just one one group of people. It wasn't the aristocrats. He didn't go to the temples and get the Pharisees and the Sadducees. No, he got fishermen. He got publicans. He got all these different people. And he said, hey, I'm going to make you fishermen of men. Hey, I'm going to make sure that you are the ones that are going to go out and help me take the world. And so just like he went, Jesus went and found people uh, to be his disciples and his apostles in untraditional places, God will do the same thing for us. And that's why he talks about here um, in verse 9 and 10 that go out into the highways. Take the interstate. You ain't always got to, you know, sometimes you got to take the interstate. Sometimes you got to go to the highways and you got to get some people, you got to get some folks and compel them to come. Mm. Watch this. Let's go a little bit deeper. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have 
on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And he was speechless. Let me, uh, you know, let me stop right there for a minute. Because if you notice, when he told them to invite them, he didn't, I mean, in the text, in, in the parable, he doesn't talk about the, the king doesn't tell the servants to tell the people what to wear. He just says, invite them. So why is that all these people, uh, when he gets to this one certain guest, this guest does not have on a wedding garment. All right. And so a lot of times, most people were focusing in on the fact of what he was wearing, the garment. But I submit to you that it's bigger than the garment. Sometimes you have to look at what the text is not saying. Watch this. And he was speechless. So what that tells me is it wasn't so much about the fact that he didn't have the garment. It was the fact that he was speechless. In other words, he had no justification. Man, that is good. He had no justification as to why he was the way that he was. And so because of that, we could only assume based upon the text that he was speechless because he had no rationale for not being in the attire that everyone else had. Hence, now being out of order. And so, uh, watch this. And so in verse 13, he says, Then the king said to the servants, Bind them hand and foot, take them away. Cast them into the outer darkness where there will be weeping of, uh, and gnashing of teeth. Now, I could go back in, 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 in some other texts and, and give you that this is a, a, a clear depiction of what hell would be like. And watch this. And then we get to the um, aphorism where, you know, you basically take um, uh, take a fact or a truth and you and, and, and then you you. Um, you expose it or you introduce it, but it says that many are called, but few are chosen. When we when we look at that word call, it actually comes from the Greek word kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, and it simply means to invite or summon, to invite or summon. Uh, and so um, when you when you call your children. You 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 kaleo them or you kaleo them, <laughs> you know what I'm, you see what I'm saying? See sometimes you can invite them, uh, but then sometimes you summon them. You, you, you understand? So there's a difference in in how it happens, and, and so so the thing about it is in this text uh, and, and what God does for us, He invites us. Uh, all of us are free moral agents. So he said, whosoever let them come, whosoever will let them come. So God doesn't say, hey, you, you are going to come. He then summons us. He gives us free will to be able to do that. And, and, and I'm so glad because if that was the case of God summoned all of us, everybody be saved. The, the, the world would be perfect. But, but that's not the case. He gives us free will. We are free moral agents. And so, so, you, so, so this Greek word is to invite or summon, but then watch chosen. Chosen, the Greek word for chosen is, is uh, uh, eklatos, eklatos. So it's E-K-L-E-T-O-S, E-K-L-E-T-O-S, eklatos. And that simply means picked out or um, elected, picked out or elected. So um, a lot of folks can get invited. But can you get picked out? Can you get elected? Put it like this is almost like uh, when people run for public office. There's plenty of people that run. Yeah, there's a lot of folks that run. But it's only one person that gets elected for that particular office. And, and so here's my last and final key that I think will um, be one that I hope that will resonate with you. God will hold all of us accountable. It's truth number seven. God will hold all of us accountable. You see that? He gets to the point, he goes through. Now, just because he says something to this one man who was not in the wedding garment, just because he said something to him and he had him bound and sent, 
sent into the outer darkness didn't mean that he didn't hold the other folks accountable. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Just because this person, the one who didn't have on the wedding garment, he was the one that he spoke to. So obviously he was the one that was out of order. So God holds all of us accountable. And so our day comes each and every last day. God is holding you accountable every day. The Bible talks about how um, you'll be held accountable for every idle word that you speak. You know, it, 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 it's there's scripture after scripture that talks about how critical it is for us to make sure that we we um, judge ourselves, least others should judge us. Um, the same measure that we meet shall be met unto us. I mean, there's scripture after scripture that talks about accountability. And so we have to get to a point where we start to hold ourselves accountable because guess what? If we will hold ourselves accountable, then when God comes to um, take an account, guess what? We're in line and we're in order. And you say, well, Pastor, how do I hold myself accountable? Galatians, you ask. This right here, the Holy Bible. If you use the word to hold yourself accountable, then you have no alternative but to be walking in the way that God would have you to walk. If you got issues with your spouse, guess what? Use the word. The word will hold you accountable. If you got issues at work, guess what? Use the word. The word talks about how you should work um, for man. If you, if you got issues with, with, with government and issues with, um, with your leaders, then the Bible talks about um, how you should deal with that. So there's this level of accountability that always will, will be there for us. And so we have to understand and know, though, that in order for this stuff to happen, um, we have to do our part because before we can take the interstate, we got to first make sure that our road, that we're on the right road ourselves. But guess what? God is depending on us. He's depending on us to go out and compel men to come. And so uh, if you don't if you don't take anything else from this message today, I want you to, to, to do what you can to become a soul winner. And what I mean by that is not go out on the side of the street and start preaching, but no, testifying about the goodness of God and sharing the goodness of God with those that you know. And if you don't even feel comfortable with that, which you should, but invite them to church, invite them to come. This is the best time to invite people to church. Why? Because it's safe for them because they're behind a screen. And they only see us. So do me a favor. I want you to invite as many people as you can next week. I want you to even take this. If you're watching this by Facebook, I want you to click like and share it. I want you to share with as many folks as you can and compel them to come into the kingdom. Well, beloved, I am out of time. Thank you so much for your patience. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for another opportunity to share in your word, God. We boldly declare that we will take the interstate. God, that we'll go out into the highways and byways and compel men to come into your kingdom. And God, we thank you that as we do that, God, we're going to walk in your glory. We're going to walk in your word. We declare that we will not be religious, but we shall be spiritual. And our spirit will line up with your word and your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we thank you now for another opportunity to share. And Father, when it's all said and done, we won't take any credit for it, but we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just do this because I don't want to take it for granted. And I've just been talking about compelling men to come. I want to make some appeals here. And if you notice, the first appeal that I make every Sunday when we talk and we share time together is that uh, you may be listening to this by podcast or you might be watching it um, by um, some other platform but you've never ever confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Saviors. Um, Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you shall be saved. So if you've never ever confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, guess what? You got time right now. You can do it right now. So you know that you need to, uh, to really get in, in good standing with God and you've never done that before. It's just simply the Easter story that you believe that Christ was born. He died for your sins and salvation and he rose again and he's seated at the right hand of the father. So if that is, is, is you and that appeal is for you, 
I simply want you to uh, email me at pastorpremwalcc.us or um, just simply put in that um, box um, that you, you're able to text in on, on Facebook Live, um, change. So that's the first appeal. I'm going to make three. The second one, you may be uh, watching or listening and you're saying, hey, um, I'm saved, but um, I'm backslidden. I got good news for you. He said he's married to the backslider. So I don't care what you did last week or last year. You hear me say this every week. But God is waiting right here to restore you. I'm just here as a point of contact. I can't save you, but God can. And so if you know that you need to be in right standing uh, with Christ, um, he's waiting right here, just like the younger son father did, um, you know, when he had spent all of his uh, his living on riotous living. Um, he, he came back. His dad killed the fattest calf, robe, ring, shoes, and, and gave him a big party and said, hey, my son was lost, but now he's found. He came on back home. God will do the same thing for you. He's waiting on you to come back in so he can restore you. Thirdly, you may be watching or listening. You say, well, Pastor, I'm saved. I'm in right standing. But man, I need a church home. I'm in the Birmingham area. And man, I need a place that I can go that's going to teach me the word line upon line, precept upon precept, going to make it practical and applicable for daily living, uh, going to love on me, going to give me Christian fellowship. Well, man, let me tell you something. I, woman, I can't, let me tell you something. I can't think of a better place than Word of Life Community Church, Greater Birmingham. Um, and so if, if you know that you need to be a part of an assembly uh, that will treat you like family, please, we, we, we invite you to be a part of our family. And 3B, you may want that same treatment. You, you might want the same word. You might want the same covering, the same prayer, same accountability, uh, same Christian fellowship, but you're not in the Birmingham area. Got good news for you. Thank God for technology. You can be a part of our online campus. We have members in our online campus, and so you can feel free to be a part of the Word of Life Community Church, Greater Birmingham online campus, and you will treat you just like uh, you're right here in Birmingham, Alabama. And so if you know that, that you don't have a church home and you want to be a part, um, we ask that you, you, know, you would consider us and, and come and be a part of, of our family. So first for salvation, secondly to be restored, and thirdly, and finally, if you need a church home and you're in the Birmingham area or you are abroad, we offer these three appeals to you. And you can simply email me at um, pastorprim at wlcc.us or you can simply put in um, your um, chat box on Facebook Live, um, change. If you need prayer, you can just put prayer in there and we'll make sure that we uh, return um um, to that platform and make sure that we get in touch with you through inbox to make sure that we can meet your needs, uh, your spiritual needs. So beloved, thank you so much. I am way out of time and thank you for uh, sharing with us this time as I go on as the, as the uh, season saints say on the other side, but not on to glory, but as I go on to the next church. But until next week, this same platform, this same time, we want you to always finish your course, fight a good fight, but most of all, keep the faith. Until this time, next week, y'all be blessed.